Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today, I'm really excited to welcome some of our new Gold Loopers, Mary and Dan Strowing. Uh, sometimes we bring to you some of our Gold Loopers who have unique or special or interesting stories, and Mary and Dan fit all of those categories. And, and part of the reason um, is that Dan is legally blind, and yes, he did drive the boat for the Great Loop. So can't wait to hear more about their story for those of you who haven't come across them on the waterway. Before we officially get started, I want to take a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes and Associates, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. Dan and Mary, welcome to Great Loop Radio. Thanks for joining me today and welcome back from your Great Loop. Thank you. Thanks for inviting us. Yeah, we're really happy to have you here. And we have featured you in our Great Loop Link newsletter for our members in the past. But for those who aren't familiar with you, tell us just a little bit about yourselves and some of the details of your Great Loop, like, uh, you know, what led you to do it and um, when you started, when you finished, things like that. Both Mary and I grew up in Minnesota and our boating experience were mostly on the lakes in Minnesota. I... When I met Mary, I had a perpetual canoe on top of my car. We drove, <laughs> we would, we would drive up to the boundary waters uh, in northern Minnesota in the wilderness and canoe the lake. I was in Seattle in 1968, and I went up in the Space Needle, and I was just gobsmacked by all the water, the the ocean, and and so I was just like. Uh, I couldn't believe it. And I said, if they don't kill me in Vietnam, I'm coming back here. <laughs> uh, and so I went to Vietnam. I came back. And then I came back to Minnesota. And I met Mary. We had other boating experiences in Alaska. Dan captained uh, a Nordic tug for and was on. We were on our friend's trawler. He did was a part of the sailing club. I volunteered for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife. They did bald eagle surveys. I was not interested in the eagle surveys. I was interested in driving the damn boat, which was a <laughs> seventy foot, which was a seventy foot, uh, is called a, a T boat, and it was built for World War Two. Uh, Dan had. He flew also while we were in Alaska, and we had different various boats while we were there. In August of 2010, um, he happened. He woke up blind, so our life took a turn then. Yeah, and, and I know from um, from knowing more about your story and, and having written about that in our Great Loop Link, um, right. that that was right. service related for Dan. So Dan, first of all, thank you for right. your service. Yeah. Agent, um, agent, but, agent Orange, yeah. Yeah. And then, but so we we're trying to figure out, okay, our life is different, and what what can we do? What uh, can we do to keep on living? So Dan uh, was trying to coax me to uh, learn to fly. I said, no, I didn't do that when you had vision. Learn how to uh, be uh, do motorcycle. I said, no, I don't do that because I take care of the broken people. No, at a trauma hospital. No, I'm not doing that. 
So we settled in on on the tugboat. How about a tugboat? Okay, Mary I'll do said, that. I'm all in. Yeah. yeah. So then part of our part of our experience in Alaska, we we uh, were on Nordic tugs, and they were simple systems. Uh, they uh, and we chartered a, a boat and we went into Glacier Bay National Monument. Many people don't know of it. It's just surrounded by glaciers. And we took the several trips into Glacier Bay and all over Southeast in these little tugs. And so I wanted to find a similar tug in Puget Sound. We couldn't find one to charter. And I said, well, let's just buy one. And I found one in Wisconsin. And we had a surveyor check it out. And we grew up in Minnesota. And one of the big things is the harsh winters, cold. And I said, I wanted the surveyor to to pay particular attention over the freeze, any kind of freeze damage. And the, and the tug was damaged by the, by being out in the cold. And, uh, we didn't buy it. We found another tug in Victoria, British Columbia. And we bought that tug, brought it back to, to Seattle, and that became our boat in Puget Sound. We would go up to, it's called the San Juan Islands. Many people don't know of this, but in Washington State, there's quite a few islands. In Washington State and right across the border, those, they're called the Gulf Islands. And all these little islands have t- towns and people. They're just geared for boating. And uh, we would do that. And so we brought this boat back. It's 1982, 26 feet Nordic tug. It's the 50th one they built. And um, it was old. I mean, we had to have, we got a new tubing, new wiring. We had the, you asked, uh, you know, how did we adapt things? We had a bow thruster put in, new electronics, uh, sonar, VHS. We did a lot to make this boat. And we they he moved the right behind the helm station the panel so it's easy the to, electrical panel yeah so it's easy to on the Nordic tug yeah. is really under the the steering station of the of the tug and it's like a clamshell you you flip two uh, uh, like little uh, levers levers mm-hmm. and you open up the clamshell and there you turn the battery off in there and i would do that and the people helping us our mechanics but that is so wrong you're gonna either electrocute yourself or start a fire on the boat if you reach in there like that because i couldn't see and so they rewired the boat and put this panel the electrical panel on the back bulkhead of the uh the seat and uh what was significant about that they labeled everything and then i have something called a pen friend that helps blind people identify certain objects and you put little dots they're like little barcodes uh, uh little like the little uh three-wing binder the holes the that you you punch out they're like about that size and they're bar reader uh barcode readers and you can use the pen friend to 
identify whatever you want. Like, say, for instance, in your cupboard, it would identify spices. And it's in Dan's voice. So he record, would record his own voice. And, and, and what we did was we used those dots to identify uh, all the, you know, the VHF, the GPS, the uh, nav lights, the uh, autopilot. All these things were identified. I just have to hold my pen friend up and it would tell me what it is. Until you learned where things are. Right. And yeah. uh, so that helped you to, so Dan, to kind of, um, you know, under find things, you know, find the different controls right. on the boat, so to speak. And there's all kinds of there's all kinds of technology that is uh, geared for the blind. Mm -hmm. And uh, my iPhone, it has an app named Seeing AI. And it will read documents to me. And it, uh, it's just very helpful. All these little tips uh, made me feel like I could do it. And I was not afraid. And on our loop, I drove the boat into every marina. Mary never did one no, marina. No, 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 I didn't. He's <laughs> really good because, uh, and I, I'm either with our ear check or that's a Wi-Fi, or I am right at the on his right side on the starboard i'm at the door and describing what what was coming when we're heading into the slip and um use the clock system i dan will say you drive us in i said okay so you're gonna put you're gonna throw the lines and you're gonna put the fenders up uh no you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna drive the boat into the slip and he is amazing he is amazing and we well, hear from people people at the at the marinas oh my god he is excellent he's a lot better than the sighted and um but one I'm, place we went into uh in deltaville virginia we um mary would call and say make arrangements for us to get a slip at the marina and then when we'd get there uh get on the vhf and say oh by the way my husband is driving the boat and he's blind and I could hear the people just dropping their stuff, running outside <laughs> to see, see, because they had a lot of brand new, uh, they were a dealer for Juno boats. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had a lot of new boats there. And they put us right by all those new boats. And the people thought, oh, he's going to be wrecking some boats. No, nope. well, no, I think that's, no. that's true. I mean, that, that's absolutely, you know, it's, it's a, quite an amazing thing to hear. Um, because we've all seen some, you know, pretty catastrophic dockings from the sighted, as, as Mary said. Um, and we also have in the past had a, a little fun thing we do at Rendezvous in dinghies, where we kind of blindfold one of the people in a couple and let the other person try and direct them of where oh, to cool. steer the dinghy. And it never goes well, which is part yeah. of the fun. You know, it's a small dinghy, inflatable, make sure that everybody's safe. But um, so just right. kind of imagining doing that on the mm -hmm. 26 foot nordic tug so you know mm -hmm. mary you've told me that you you are you know verbally instructing dan on where he's mm -hmm. headed and what's there and you mentioned kind mm -hmm. of the clock system for, mm -hmm. for where to head mm -hmm. um but for so mm -hmm. many couples trying to describe that seems just unfathomable mm -hmm. that they could make that mm -hmm. happen how long did it take mm -hmm. for the two of you to fall into a routine where you could do this and, and to get comfortable that, okay, we can do the whole great loop with Dan driving and being blind. Well, I'll, I, I will say my one example is uh, 
the very first day he woke up blind, um, I hadn't learned to be the seeing eye wife, you know, because you really have to heighten. I'd had to heighten up because Dan, as we were trying to figure out what was going on with him, he said to me, come over on my right side. I can see you here. Well, I went over there. Well, he swung his arm right into a pole. So, you know, you, I really had to his left arm into a pole. And so I had to, okay, I'm coming back to protect you on that other side. So as far as um, it's been kind of an evolution that um, one line Dan has taught me well is slow as pro. So we're coming in slowly as much as we're able. You know, I mean, sometimes the wind is pushing, but slow is pro. And so I'm I'm uh, I always have my inflatable life jacket on and am right there with him. And we um, one frustration has been uh, not I mean, these marinas that we've come into, I don't know them either. I And so I'm just getting a, a description from the. Uh, people from the marina, but sometimes the Nebo has helped get a visual for me, a visual to see, okay, where's our our slip and how do we get in there? And we request, because Dan has 5% vision in his right eye, so he we request, if it's available, bow in starboard tie so that he can see a little bit, tiny bit from his right eye. Uh-huh. And um, And so I'm right there and I'm holding on and giving descriptions to, okay, and when the bow is at the level to be able to turn in, I'll say bow thrust port and or whatever direction, bow or thrust port. if she says uh, turn to two o'clock, mm-hmm. then I know I got to turn to starboard. And, and uh, I was a seaplane pilot, uh, or I should say a flying boat. My It was a flying boat. The my airplane had the hull, uh, the fuselage was the hull of a boat. It was like a skiff. And uh, I always said, you know, and it was an amphibious plane. I could land on the on the runway and then go land in the water. And uh, I, t- I would tell people they were amazed at how, how well I could fly this airplane. And I said, you know, I don't fly that airplane. I wear it. It's part of me, and it's like I'm going for a walk, and it's like breathing. You know, this is the skill level that I wanted. I did the same thing with skiing and the same thing with this boat. It's like it's so much a part of me that when Mary says turn to two, it's just like turning myself a little bit to the starboard. Mm -hmm. And uh, that has taken a while to do that, but I'm – I think what a lot of us would question, and, and it, the, the communication level between the two of you is amazing and wonderful, but there's also parts of docking a boat that are harder to describe with words. Um, you know, for example, how hard the wind is blowing or how fast the current is running. So how did you handle those things? Is that something you can feel, Dan, as you get more and more familiar with the boat? Well, I would ask Mary, okay, she would tell me, and one of the things we look for all the time at like the lock and dams is there's a windsock there. There's a, you know, uh, mm-hmm. there's a windsock that'll tell you which way and how hard the wind is blowing from being a pilot. You know that if the windsock is straight out, those windsocks 
have uh, a particular, like if it's a 20 per mile per hour windsock and it's blowing straight out, you know the wind is, is booking from that direction. And there's also another one called a 30 mile. That's a little bigger. Uh, and Mary has learned to identify which one's which. Uh, we had some rugged uh, lock and dam experiences just this couple within this last week. When we, the wind was at our stern, we have a bow thruster, not a stern thrust. We were in, um, as we were coming up the Mississippi, and uh, we had to... The wind was at our stern. We were on the port, right? It was blowing, and it was like out of control. It, it was, was blowing so from hard. the east, and they put us on the far side. It was blowing from the east, so they put us. Uh, they wanted us to hold lines. They weren't going to let yeah, us just float. They wouldn't let us no. float. And so when we we went on the start on the port side. Uh, it just, the wind just blew against the wall and pushed us away. There's no way I was holding as hard as I could. There's no way. And what I was usually do, I'd take the line they threw down. I put it inside the pilot house and there's a handle there. I would just take and put my hand around the handle with the rope, with the line. And it would hold, it, it was pretty hard to, to do that, but you couldn't. You, I couldn't hold on. It would pull me out of the boat. So we That's were, how hard the wind was blowing. So we, in the future ones, we had a couple more episodes, and we warned the the lock masters that of our struggle, uh-huh. and um, and and I think it went better once we yeah. were. But it was we challenging. told them they were sort of they saw what happened, what was happening that we were blown uh, away from the wall. And then we went on the starboard side, and we were protected from the wind. From the wind. And, uh, you know, uh, they were somewhat unaware or, you know, didn't have a clue at how how hard the wind could blow. They didn't think it was blowing that bad. But when it blew against the lock wall like that, it was... It was impossible for anybody to hold I, on. I want to say, too, that Dan, you know, with all the experiences he's as a captain and driven boats in Alaska and stuff, um, it's like muscle memory, like the Olympic, you know, it's like muscle memory. It's just like automatic for him to when we he has to put it in reverse or use the I mean, I can't even describe it verbally yeah. like when um, I can but, feel hey. Okay, uh, we, um, you know, just the use of the throttle. Uh-huh. Uh, you don't need to, to I call it, uh, what do you need, Mary? She's trying to get the line on the dock or something. I said, I'll give you a bump. I'll give yeah. you a bump. And that, for me, is just uh, engaging the boat, uh, not giving it much throttle, just, just engaging, putting it into gear and uh, enough for the boat to go forward. And I can, like, I know how long to do that. Mm-hmm. I say, what do you want? A short mm-hmm. bump, a, mm-hmm. a long bump? Mm-hmm. And and so that helps us, um, you know, uh, get the boat to the cleat without Mary having to pull the whole boat and try to get it up to the cleat. I, want, I wanted to say, um, 
about Dan's dog, Tori. She has been, she has been remarkable. Um, she had to learn a new marina every single time and, um, you know, and keep Dan safe. And, and it was just, I mean, astounding to me and to all of us. And in fact, when we came back up the Mississippi, she remembered uh, this uh, Lansing, we were, had been to this restaurant. She knew the route, she knew, she remembered that was in 2018. It's like she's got a Rolodex in her head of, of all the marinas. And she's the seeing eye dog that 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 uh, is yeah, the seeing eye dog. She has come from the yeah. she has come from the seeing eye school. Mm-hmm. Well, the seeing eye school, they're just as amazed. They said, you know, they don't train the dogs to be on boats. They're <laughs> the dogs are trained to be on on the street to ha- protect you, you know, from traffic and stuff. And uh, Tori has just been amazing. She's been our sometimes our guide. Um, uh, she would find a spot right behind the helm station seat uh, on the settee, and she would, it's like being on the fulcrum of a teeter-totter. That's the least movement. And she would find uh, a spot there, and that was sort of the least movement on the boat, uh, you know, uh, the bow and the stern going up and down. And if she came to the wheelhouse and stood by me, and then I knew, oh, it's getting a little bit too much for uh, Tori and the humans, so we got to get off the lake or something. Yeah. So she's Let's been take, exceptional. Yes, and and I've met Tori at some of our events, and she is exceptional, and and the job she does for you is amazing. Let's take a quick break. I'm going to play a message from one of our sponsors. Um, when we come back, we're actually going to start to look towards wrapping up a little bit, but I do want to talk you know, a little bit more about some of the, the, the um, things that happened along the way on the Great Loop um, and what it was like with, with your specific challenges being able to cross your wake and complete this adventure. So we'll be back in a moment. Did you know that every mile of the Great Loop is covered by both the Waterway Guide and Skipper Bob? Use them to plan your Great Loop cruise and learn about the places you can visit. In the cockpit, important navigation info is always ready at your side, plus marina listings, anchorages, services, and so much more. Each Skipper Bob and Waterway Guide is updated yearly, and waterwayguide.com and skipperbob.net keep you current with navigation alerts, cruising news, fuel prices, and special deals. With the Waterway Guide and Skipper Bob at the helm, you'll always be on course. Order yours today at the AGLCA Ship Store at greatloop.org. Waterway Guide and Skipper Bob are proud sponsors at the Admiral level with AGLCA. We're back on Great Loop Radio. My guests today are Mary and Dan Strowing. They are recent gold loopers, and they are unique because Dan was uh, served our country in Vietnam um, returned home safely, and then many years later, woke up uh, suddenly blind from exposure to Agent Orange. And as part of their adjustment to that, Dan and Mary decided to do the Great Loop. And, and hats off to both of you. It's really an amazing story um, that you looked for something that you could do to continue your lifestyle. And Dan, you had been boating for quite some time and flying. And um, you know what an adventure for the two of you to take on the Great Loop. Before we took the break, you told us a little bit about some uh, rough uh, lockages you had, uh, which was after 
actually after you had completed the 6,000 miles of the Great Loop and we're headed back up the upper Mississippi to your home port. Um, so, you know, that particular circumstance with the wind had nothing to do uh, with Dan being blind, had more to do with the wind and the weather conditions. So that could happen to anybody. But are there any circumstances, uh, Mary or Dan, that you think maybe were more challenging or anything that was different about your loop because of Dan's disability? You know, one thing I want to say is, uh, no, I really, I, I don't think, couldn't think of anything in particular that was wild, except when we were crossing Lake Michigan, um, there weren't any landmarks. We were in the middle of the lake. It was so, you know, you couldn't say, okay, go to that tree or go to that hill over there. And, um, but on our chart platter, we have uh, breadcrumbs and all, I had looked down and then I, and it was, the waves had started out like flat and then it grew to like two to three. And um, so it was pretty, pretty and it was, wavy. And it was getting worse. So getting then. worse. And um, anyway, I looked down and then I looked up and I said, Dan, I think you're back on your breadcrumbs. Like somewhere in that moment, <laughs> the wind <laughs> had pushed us around because there weren't landmarks and we were going back on our breadcrumbs back. So that was the only thing because um, my role is to always be watching and always be. Dan needs babysitting. You know, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I can drive the boat, but I, I need Mary to check all the time. Right. Well, one time she said, are you taunting me? Are you taunting me? And I said, what are you talking about? You are getting so close to those green buoys. <laughs> and I said, what green buoys? I don't see any green buoys. And so uh, she uh, said, you are too close. And so then I, I tried to pay attention to see how close I you know, was getting to the buoys. And I did. I was able to see out of the pilot house. Oh, yes, I could step right off the boat onto that buoy. I guess it's too close. Uh, but we we did well in communicating with each other in this small boat. I'd wake up every morning and say, we need a bigger boat. And every morning I'd say, no, this is fine. This is, this is enough, all I can handle. And if anything about our loop, we just accepted that we were slow. The, the boat is slow, mm -hmm. but we would have to be a little slower because, uh, you know, if I'm going to be driving and Mary doesn't want to, uh, you know, uh, drive into the marinas and stuff, we're just going to be a little slower. So we accepted that. Mm -hmm. And we did a year on the boat from 2018 to 2019. And um, we took a, a small uh, side trip. Uh, we drove, uh, Mary did. Well, this when I say we, Mary, Mary it's drove, uh, during our loop, we stopped in Deltaville, Virginia, and we took a side trip, uh, by driving, uh, a rental car to Minnesota. Then we took our car and drove to Seattle. And then, and then flew then, to then flew a wedding to, in Alaska. Then flew to Juneau, Alaska. We mm -hmm. went to a wedding there, then flew back and uh, drove back to Minnesota and then drove, uh, left our car here and then got another rental car and drove back to Deltaville. That took about six weeks. 
So that took a little chunk out of our, our, uh, our loop. And we only got up to, um, Sheboygan, Michigan, and we couldn't go any further. Uh, it was getting cold. That was in late September, early October of 2019. So it was a year uh -huh. that we had been underway. And uh, we went to, to fuel, refuel uh, with diesel. And they asked us, where are you going? We're going to Mackinac City, which is only about 20 miles away from Sheboygan. Uh -huh. It's not a problem. We can... We want to have, you know, take on fuel, have a full load of fuel. And, uh, and the guys at the fuel tank said, you are not going to Mackinac City. You can't go out on Lake Huron. And we said, why? It's only like 20 miles. And they said, well, uh, there's a 50-foot boat that just came in. And all those guys were just freaked out uh, because the waves on the lake are 11 to 13 feet high. Wow. And you are not going out there in this little boat. So that then we decided to put the boat to bed uh, for the winter in uh, Sheboygan, uh, Michigan, at Wallstrom's Marina. And they had heated storage. So we put the boat in heated storage, and we told them we'll be back in the spring of 2020. Well, in 2020, everybody knows it was COVID, the year of COVID, and we sat out the whole year in at home here in Red Wing. We we got a car and, and drove back home. And, left. And, the, and then in May, we went back to Sheboygan. Yeah, and in the 2021. And Dan, uh, in the meantime, Dan had them work on, we got a Wallace stove put in because uh, uh, having any kind of flame is a bad idea for blind people. So we have this one runs off the diesel and it's finish, a finished stove. And then we also, Dan also got a new chart plotter. We got a new chart plotter and he thought, oh, that's great. All knobs for a blind person. But it's much, it's been a learning curve to. Um, the other chart plotter was a touch screen. Well, I, for a blind person, it's, that's really hard. Mm -hmm. To do a touch screen, you have to be able to see. But I memorized, I put my finger up against the screen and three, I memorized the menu by putting two fingers is uh, radar, three fingers is, is uh, so, uh, depth uh, sonar, and, and uh, four fingers is, is navigation. Uh, so I memorized it by just you know, with my hand on top of the chart plotter and, and uh, these positions, and that worked well. So we got this new chart plotter, which is an older style button. It's, it's, it's a new updated chart plotter, has everything, but it, you operate it by turning buttons. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's just a learning curve there. And uh, it's working out okay. It's just a matter of... Um, Another thing that was not uh, went on the fritz, I think, maybe in Florida, our autopilot was uh, calm nav. It didn't, and so we've had an, it refurbished, and well, in the 17 months. But the re calm nav refurbished didn't want to talk to or vice versa to the Garmin. Our so, updated so, our new Garmin. So that's another reason that you can never 
I could never, we could never just click on autopilot and go and in a course, Uh you know, that is so constant. I mean, we always had to be alert. There was because you, you're, it's the human factor behind the wheel. It's not. uh, And we didn't use the autopilot as a autopilot that it would follow a plotted course. We used it as a course keeper. Mary would say, turn the boat to two o'clock. And I would do that. Then I would push the autopilot and it would keep that heading. Right. Uh, Very important for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was really a a gift. Well, it it crapped out on us in Florida. (laughs) So we have a new one and we still haven't figured it out. Uh, It, it, it is also a Garmin that that uh, will uh, an updated Garmin that will be compatible with our our new chart plotter. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple of glitches, but we uh, did okay. Mary had to do babysitting of Dan when we came up to Mississippi. <laughs> yeah. Well, so Has before we wrap dropped? up, before we wrap up, just a, a couple of of. of points um you know you two are really inspirational because so many people i think face some challenges to be able to do the great loop and decide not to because of those challenges so what would you say to someone who's maybe considering the great loop but you know may have special circumstances that are making them hesitate what's your advice to people who are are, you know trying to assess whether this is really something they should take on the hardest thing to do is it's not the equipment you have or, you know, all the things. Uh, it's just throwing off the lines and going into the unknown. Mm-hmm. And we were gifted by going down uh, the Mississippi and it was in flood stage. And we got hung up in Rock Island, Illinois. And we flew our, our uh, white uh, looper flag and that attracted at the marina. People came up to us right away and uh, talked to us. One guy was a writer for Quimby's, and he said, you know, there are other loopers in this marina. And we met uh, Greg and Doreen Youngberg, and we met David and Claudia um, Fuller. Fuller. Mm -hmm. And these people were a gift to us that we, uh, we took off with them. We were always be the last boat. Uh, but they sort of watched over us and we were able to learn, uh, by, you know, following. Mm-hmm. So that was, uh, that was attributable to that looper flag. And that happened several places. One place in Titusville, Florida. One, one thing I want to say is, uh, I think if Dan and I and the dog can do it, I say anybody can do it. That's what I, I would tell people. Well, and I know, think that's good advice. Say, oh. I mean, you certainly have more challenges than some. And, you know, communication, couples communication issues by themselves are a big challenge for some people. Um, and you obviously have that down to a science um, in that Dan can drive while, while Mary is basically his eyes and, and telling him exactly where to turn the boat and, and how, how much to go forward. And it's really an inspiring story. Um, and you two just completed well, the it loop. Isn't, the, you know, uh-huh. there is, there's intermittent volume. You know, it isn't always. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tell people I could tell Mary was my alarm system by uh, the intensity of her 
<laughs> volume. Volume. Like screaming, but dang, I don't volume. Danger. <laughs> wow, Mary. <laughs> like if if an if a normal Tony is not listening to me, I say it a little louder, <laughs> a little firmer. And, and one time, uh, we she would, you know, the the boat on our chart plotter will uh, leave a trail of these breadcrumbs. We call them. And Mary would shout at me, get on your breadcrumbs, get back on your breadcrumbs. And uh, follow that magenta line. Yeah, follow that magenta line. And eventually she just pulled the wheel from me and turned it. And I said, wow, you are really bossy this morning. (laughs) And she said, well, yes, for a sighted woman. I am bossy. You don't see the danger. Yeah, that's what, yeah, that's. That's it, you know, and even if, while we were, um, we were, I can't remember where we were, but uh, it was fog, fog, fog. And so Dan, I mean, he can't see. So I took the wheel and followed with uh, with our chart plotter and my phone, my Navionics phone, and we safely got to uh, the next lock. Yeah. yeah. Well, just a final question before we wrap up. You just crossed your wake, completed the Great Loop last month. And what was that like? What was that moment when you actually crossed your wake and, and knew you had done the entire trip? What did it mean to you? Well, the trip up the Mississippi was quite arduous. Well, uh, you know, we ended our, crossed our wake in Grafton, Illinois. And um, people asked, well, how did that feel? And in a lot of ways, it was anticlimactic because we still had to get up the Mississippi, but, um, it, it is like, a um, a, it kind of goes in waves. Like I have your, the map of the America's great loop cruising association. And it's like, Oh my God, we did it. We did that. Ourselves. <laughs> you certainly did. Mm-hmm. I know it. And it's, it's, and I've always said to people, you know, it's, it's not as intimidating because you only go mile by mile. You go day by day, you go mile by mile. And suddenly you've gone 6,000 miles. <laughs> or, and so it's, I did get a bit little perclumped when we, a uh, little tearful when we were in one of the locks. And, lock, I, and I real not even that was before that, when I realized, oh my God, we did it. We really did this. <laughs> you know? yeah. So Even though we had to continue up the Mississippi for, 450 miles. The very, very day we crossed our wake, I was just tired. I just wanted to be served and (laughs) (laughs) go to bed. All I said, give me two margaritas. (laughs) (laughs) So, so it's, uh, but it's, it's really, really a big deal. I mean, I never appreciated those gold looper burgies until we, we could fly ours. Yes. I, I mean, it is really well-earned. Every, it, it is every absolutely well-earned. And Dan and Mary, um, this has been delightful, a really remarkable journey for the two of you. I loved hearing your story. Yeah. So thank you so much for being with us and for, for sharing the details. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Kim. You're, wel- you're welcome. And the Harrow Association. Yep. Our pleasure. And to everyone who's listened with us today, thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe cruising.